Highways Voices, the podcast of Highways News, your one-stop destination for all the news about the highways and transport technology industries, and our must-read daily newsletter. So welcome to the first in our new series of podcasts from Highways News. This is Highways Voices. Each week we'll be speaking to one or more key people in the highways and transport technology industries, always somebody really worth hearing from. And this week, the new top man at the UK's division of SWACO. It's MD John Pickworth, who took over last month after moving on from Cubic. He's full of fascinating comments about transport, traffic management, business, and even managing from home. You'll get plenty of insight on today's programme. I'm Paul Hutton, co-owner of Highways News with Adrian Tatum. So it's about time we introduced him to you as we glance through the top stories on Highways News over the past seven days. Highways Voices, the podcast from highwaysnews.com. So Adrian, welcome to Highways Voices. Um, You and I have been chatting to many interesting people since we started Highways News last April. And I guess now it's a chance for our readers to hear them as well as read their comments. Yeah, I think it's really important in the development of highway news that that we engage in different ways. Um, I mean, since our launch last April, the engagement levels have been really high, the catalyst of which I think was the first lockdown where people were at home more, they were reading more, they began to uh, engage more online, find their news more online as opposed to traditional magazines and that type of approach so we've been really lucky to be able to create a platform that can do that and a platform that provides news for our subscribers every day on a consistent basis so six six times a week we deliver that straight to their inboxes though they don't have to find it themselves and b really for, for for our advertisers a consistent and unique way of engaging with the industry backed up i guess you know by our our 30 years of experience um, in the industry and we've been looking at our plans for some of the conversations we want to have here on highways voices and it's quite interesting that we jotted down uh, some ideas uh, electric vehicles smart motorways enforcement looking at the home page we've got stories all about those online at the moment i mean one of the stories i I, I found really interesting yesterday uh, that we ran was about uh, the use by police forces of dash cams when it comes to enforcement. So be careful if you're driving in the West Midlands or in Shropshire, Hereford and Worcester in the West Mercia areas, because the forces there have been using this portal where people upload their dash cam footage of bad driving. And that's led to hundreds of fixed penalty notices and court summonses. You can read that story, as I say, on Highways News, along with stories on weather monitoring, driverless vehicle patents, timescales, solar pods, cyber structure guidance and funding we really do cover everything in the industry don't we yeah we do and and if you look at the stories from just the first two days of this week alone you know we've got government commits 93 million for for three major road improvement projects the scottish government committing another 3.2 billion in their budget for transport this year right away down to things like surface treatments that are becoming more important for local authorities as they, as they look to move from a reactive to a more proactive approach in their maintenance moving forward. All, all really positive stories and, and all things that, that people in the industry need to know. So I'll let you do the advertising bit, Adrian. If you're listening and you haven't yet subscribed to our uh, daily briefing email, what's it about and how do you subscribe? So if you go to highways-news.com, you'll get all of your daily news on there. And then you hit the uh, subscribe section. You can fill in the details really quickly. 
and that gets sent to your inbox at midday, six days a week. So Monday to Friday and a roundup of the news that we do on a Saturday. OK, Adrian, thanks for that. Let's get on with the big interview. Highways Voices with Paul Hutton and Adrian Tatum. Let's meet our main guest on Highways Voices, John Pickworth. He's moved to be MD of the global product systems and services company Swaco. They're a company you'll know well from the days when we were allowed to go to exhibitions. Their orange stand was always one of the biggest and they have a range of solutions not all seen in the UK. So when Adrian and I sat down with John, I started by asking him why that was. The company has grown from from different parts. So whether that be different acquisitions, whether it be different objectives from the client point of view, and also different standards in the different countries, we've had to build the company together um, into what you see it today. Now, one of the things that attracted me most about joining the company is the opportunity to join some of those things together again. And we're really on quite an interesting journey at the moment, which is probably very different to how I maybe saw Swarco 10 years ago. But what you see now is a much more joined up group. Just giving one example, some of the aspirations around how we join up the solutions, some of, many of which you've just talked about, uh, are coming together through a Swarco Solution Centre, which is based in Germany. We've then initiated regional delivery centres in each of our countries and each of our regions. And we have a model, therefore, to take that core centralised solutions, which we're quite reliant on and quite invested in, um, and we all support those from our different regions. And then we develop, adapt those for the standards of the local regions and are able to supply the products into each of those regions. So what the outcome of that you get from a customer is instead of getting a um, potentially a bit part solution or individual solutions, you get actually, or individual products, should I say, what you end up with is solutions that can meet a whole range of different needs, be they needs of today in terms of the, the core services we've, we've always offered in terms of products, signs, signals, and so on, or whether it be the needs of environmental, whether the, the sort of air quality side of things, and the future joining up of solutions of how it all comes together. So it's a big part of my objective is to take and help us manage that shift from individual product to wider solutions in the UK. And in my experience of business, uh, sometimes having somebody come in from outside the business, but very much inside the industry, gives a fresh pair of eyes to spot things that maybe people who have worked in a company for a long time have never quite realised the potential because it's kind of just been there and they've not realised that actually that's a solution that people are crying out for. Yeah, I think that's that's so true. And it's easy to say from from the outside coming in, there's, there's the balance between that and the incredible knowledge that you've got internally from people who have been there a long time to build on. We ran a strategy session and it was hugely receptive across the group in terms of some of the things we could look at. Just giving one example, you know, we have three core companies in the UK, which total turnover around 52 million. And that includes an eVault, which does all the electric charging, APT ski data, which do barriers for car parks and entry people entry. And we do the Swarco Traffic Limited stuff, which is all about the signs, the signals and the car parking guidance systems. Now, we haven't really managed the opportunity to join those things up. If you take the scenario coming out of COVID, when people movement is going to be crucial, then you can see straight away the opportunities around that, the data that's going to be delivered from those. If you can deliver those three solutions on a greenfield site or a new site that's, that needs to be managed, the impact on potential footfall, on how you manage people and the experience people have entering towns, cities and so on, could be vastly improved. 
those are sorts of things. There's loads of those which seem really obvious, but the very nature of how the business has come together, they don't, they're not all necessarily the focus. There are day-to-day issues. There are all sorts of things to be dealt with. So what I've got to do is make sure I'm sitting a bit above that, thinking about how we join it together. And that's where the leverage of some, some of these wider solutions suddenly comes to the table. And as I say, the reception I've had some of those just thought pieces and getting people thinking and talking around some of those and connecting people up um, is, is, is just really, really pleasing to see. And how is your long experience in the industry and uh, the, the various projects you've worked on, how's that helping you give that sort yeah. of viewpoint? So that's, that's a good question. And I'll, I'll try and tackle it from a different sort of business experience. So if you look at the, the roles that I've undertaken, I started out in consultancy. And I, my, actually, my very recent one was consultancy as well. So ITS consultancy, then a service business in Circo. So very much how you deliver software as a service, solutions as a service, um, and, and customer service being paramount to everything you do. And then product and solutions in Cubic. So that was very much about how do you develop products? How do you take new products through a development process stage and deliver it to market? all the way through to the sales force and sales element end of it, where your sales teams have to have a structured way of taking all the way through that, understanding what you've really got to deliver, mapping it to a customer's requirements, joining the things together, and then ultimately you get success out the back of it and, and a solution that customer needs, meets the quality and does what it needs to do. Now, that's quite different to potentially some of the core skills in a, in a company that's built up predominantly from an engineering background, delivering product. So when you shift from delivering product to deliver solution, you have to have a consultancy element to what you're doing because you need to be able to consultatively talk to a customer about what their needs are and how it maps to the solution. You need to have the end-to-end cycle understood of is the customer's you know, decision process around how they're going to deliver, what they really need and how do you feed that in. And you need to be able to feed that into a, a group-wide product development strategy, which sometimes always won't give you exactly what you need because Ultimately, this it's servicing multiple countries, multiple regions. Map that in a way that meets the needs of the, your company, the needs of your investment, and the needs of the customer. So I see those consultative product service elements crucial to everything we're doing. And I see lots of bits of those skills in, in this company as well, in the different groups. But hopefully I can try and bring that element of joining that together uh, to help uh, deliver the right solutions in the right way and give the confidence from the customers in terms of our upgrade paths and everything else from some of the great solutions and quality solutions we've got on the ground to where I actually want to take the customers over the next five to 10 years. I think this is really interesting though, John, because what you're basically saying is you're going to be looking at what the customers want and need, and then almost going back to your menu of products where you will then pick out from that what the what the solution is for your customer, as opposed to many people who kind of spend their time looking at these are the products I have, I will go out and sell those to people, whether they really want them or not. I think we need to look, we need to take that approach. We need to really map it to what our, our, our environment needs. And, and, and they're changing. You know, the, the needs of our customers today are different to what they were a year ago, never mind five years ago, with the, what we've all experienced over the last 12 months. So listening to them and understanding what the real needs are and how the solutions that we, we have can be brought together to deliver a material difference to how the towns and cities actually operate um, you know, working to our, our values and working to our, our ideas of making life quicker, safer, more convenient and so on. These, are, these shouldn't be just buzzwords. These should be words that actually mean something in the solutions we're delivering. And they will mean something in the solutions we're delivering. 
but being able to connect that back up and have those conversations with the customers and really work out how that fits together recognize that there's some innovation and some newness to what we're doing as well so nothing is going to be perfect straight away in terms of how you develop new areas but by getting customers that work with you on that both parties get real benefit and that's exactly again what we did um did in, in several of my previous companies where we we're able to actually create that connection between a customer's future needs a relationship buy-in and a confidence that by working together we get to a, a solution that is better for everybody john it's adrian here just really focusing on that customer element um where do you think the gaps in knowledge are from their point of view and 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 the kind of insights that swaco can help create for them i mean we've seen a couple of things in the last year we've seen obviously um a huge investment in infrastructure across government as a result of the pandemic but also their promise to level up across the uk We've seen a focus on active travel and different ways of traveling. And also in the future, I guess, with, with the rollout of 5G, it's all about how that infra- infrastructure connects with each other, talks mm-hmm. to each other and, and monitors. You know, we've got a scenario already, I think, in one part of the country where we've got sensors on lighting columns that are monitoring when bins need to be empty, what the traffic yeah. flow is, what the temperature of the road is. H- how do you think you fit into all that? So if you think of it as, a, as rather than a gap in client knowledge, because I think they have huge knowledge in terms of their environments and understanding of what their, their needs. But if you think of it a different way, you think of it of the, the need of today versus the need of five years and the need of 10 years. What does the future look like for clients? And that's probably one of the hardest things to predict. So if you think of the, um, the advent of electric vehicles, so just taking an example as part of our business, the electric vehicle charging part of the stuff from Evolve, you know, in 2010, there was zero business case for any of it. There was no need to have charging infrastructure. And most of the local authorities we went to ultimately said, no, we're not interested. Why would we ever need that? Because there was no need. There was no day-to-day need, but they all recognized that there was potential for something in the future, but it's very difficult to invest in it today. And it's the same with many aspects of the information playing in Swarco Traffic Limited as well. You know, what, do they, what do they need today to manage the customer footfall, to manage their cities and manage their towns in the best environment? What is the, how are they going to use data in a way that actually means something to them today? Now, if we go and sell this big future, future picture of how the world looks like in 10 years' time, it sounds great. You can produce some beautiful presentations. But ultimately, what does it actually mean to that customer in terms of the benefits they're going to get now? So one of the things we want to look at is, or, or, or try to look at when we're speaking to, speaking to the clients and speak to the customers is, how do we meet that need of today? And that might be the very simplest thing is, okay, we can give you a, a solution which has a very simple cost-effective upgrade path for the future and protects you from a security point of view and so on. But how do we link that in to what they might need in three years, five years and so on? And taking the, the, the theme of, of coming out of the back of COVID and getting people back onto the streets, which is what's going to happen, and we all hope, uh, in that world, how are we going to make that as smooth and as possible? Another area to think about in that same sort of scenario is, is the, the sort of the cost benefit side of things. Now, everybody has budgets. Everybody has things they can afford today. But one of the things we like to concentrate on as well is, and there's, there's, a, there's a shift across all industries at the moment, is thinking about that whole life cost. So what does, if we deliver something that can actually influence a long period of time, can make a big difference and can you know, have those benefits that, that deliver um, further solutions, whether they be things that we know about that are coming, wireless, 5G, you mentioned um, quite rightly. 
how can we be set up to use those things? And that's where our solutions really come back. Um, I think the, you know, the, the infrastructure and the solutions that we're, that we're really bringing are, are all playing to that. So we're constantly looking at how do we make sure that the solutions we're giving are as secure and possible and really driving that direction. Um, similarly, with things like a, a, a Brexit and, and ensuring that the, you know, the supply, the ability to actually get what we need to customers at the right time. So we put things in place to make sure that that, that can be carefully managed. And there's some nervousness about that. You know, what does it mean for us? What are the priorities? How is that going to shift? So by understanding those customer priorities a bit better, thinking about how we can make sure that there's no interruption to the service that we can provide um, and thinking about how we can you know, benefit the investment programs and other things from the government during um, um, a, a period where we shift, for example, through Brexit into a more um, standalone environment. Well, there's going to be ways that we can leverage that and we can leverage that together in terms of investment town cities and solutions and our, and our, our whole package of solutions is really geared to doing just that. John, so as Paul rightly mentioned at the beginning, Swaco is a global company operating in many European and worldwide cities. Is, right. is, there anything, is there anything there that we can learn from that and apply to the UK highway or transport network? Probably one of the biggest things that, that I'll, um, I'll, I'll touch on but not dig into too, de too detail on is the simplification of standards. So one of the challenges of operating in multiple environments or, is that every region tends to have nuances um, and elements of its standards that are slightly different. Uh, we see examples working into certain customers in the UK where um, elements of message signs need something slightly different to what they might in a local authority, which is slightly different to what they might need in Germany. Um, the challenges we have around that are around upgrade paths and how you join that all together across a European organisation. And this is, this is a very, something I'm very familiar with, again, from my, my previous works. But the opportunity is to, again, is to work with clients to try and simplify some of those standards, you know, work out what the real needs are and, if, and why should there be such a difference between um, a, a solution that works for Germany and a solution that works for the UK. Um, similar examples work in things like UTC and UTMC, the whole, whole thing of how that's evolving. You know, again, there are, there are slightly different solutions for different regions. And there is a lack of logic to some of that. You know, it's how that, again, um, reaching back to how things have evolved over time. Uh, and a lot of our, our technical team are involved in working groups, whether it be the ITS UK or whether it be a European working groups, to look at how we can influence standards and develop standards that allow you to deliver more effective, cost-effective solutions. So delivering bespoke solutions because of bespoke standards is, is by its very nature expensive. And the more we can do as a team to try and simplify that, move in that direction, I think will lead us to a, a ultimately better all-round solutions um, that we can supply many customers and work on the, the, the standard upgrade path. Now, John, when we used to uh, travel the world and go to uh, conferences and exhibitions, then Swaco Stan was always one of the biggest in any World Congress or inter-traffic, uh, that sort of event, and always had fascinating mm. new, uh, new solutions on there. The one that I picked up um, in one of the last World Congresses, I think I talked about it in Singapore, was My City. First of all, give a bit more detail about what it's about, but then is it going to be something that's going to be available to um, transport uh, authorities here in the UK? Yeah, um, absolutely. I mean, if we look at our, our priorities for... The, the coming year, a huge amount of that is driven by the potential to deliver my city. 
um, into our into our customers. Uh, we have a very clear um, and, and set upgrade path from the likes of Zephyr um, um, that builds on our car park guidance system um, into a massive solution which allows connectivity to multiple devices, um, communication, and so on. Um, my city itself is new for us, um, but it's not really uh, new in terms of the fear factor. It's a natural upgrade path to what we already provide and the solutions we provide. And the challenge we have is twofold, really. It's first of all, being able to clearly articulate why we'd want to go down that route and the benefits over some of the other solutions that are out there. We all have that problem in a competitive environment. And the second side of that is being sure that when we deliver that to customers, it works to the same quality standards uh, that we deliver against our current infrastructure. Now, that's on anything new. There's always that question mark in people's minds. How do you assure that? And that's the process we're going through at the moment to, from what I mentioned before, in terms of the, the Swarco Solution Centre, the regional delivery centre, and how that fits into the UK, is that due diligence process so that when we're working with key customers to implement upgrades and to work on um, building our current infrastructure into my city, that they have absolute confidence that it's going to work. That's a journey. And we've got to work on that. And we've got to be very transparent in how we're doing that uh, and move in that direction. One of the, the biggest advantages, I guess, that we have is that we have such a huge range of infrastructure out there. And if you think of the reality of what something like my city is, is it's joining up infrastructure. It's making the infrastructure right for all the needs of a client. That doesn't mean you can't work with other third parties, absolutely, and it's open, and that's the whole idea. You can integrate all sorts of different things together. But when you have a car park guidance system, when you have a set of signs on the approach to the town, when you have a charging system in the centre potentially, all these different elements come together. If you want to join those to address the challenges of that town so it's cohesive, so so it gives them ultimate solutions, that's really what my city does. It allows that information to come together, the management of that come together, the dashboarding of how those things are performing and how uh, people are moving and so on come together. So, so if you think of it as actually rather than something completely serious, taking the infrastructure you've got, joining it together and enabling your customers and the end customers to get information in a much more cohesive way, then actually it's a really logical path and it's something we're absolutely uh, driving uh, at the moment and 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 talk to many customers about and uh, and uh, a key element of uh, my objectives for the next 12 months. Uh, John, my view is that solutions like my city will become even more important from a social and economic point of view because as a result of covid the regeneration of place is something that's become crucially yeah. important because <laughs> I guess people will be spending more time working at home permanently and more times at home with their family and, and less less time out, especially in the the immediate mm. term. So, from a, from a social and economic point of view, have you got any any thoughts on that? Because because really, surely something like my city would it would enhance that solution for people. I mean, what you what you've described is is fundamentally about improving the quality of life of of of, of people. That's where you're driving those sorts of discussions, and that's that's what my city is about. It's about being able to deliver that safer, quicker, more convenient, environmentally sound solutions, which links to everybody's lives. So you're right, people are going to have a different way of working. Um, There's going to be different models for how people move in and out of towns. One thing I haven't mentioned uh, in the conversation is is how we partner. 
So some of the solutions will involve partnering with multiple with, or with other, other parties that deliver elements of solutions, whether that telecoms type solutions for data and other things. And again, the whole purpose of, the, of, of, sort of bringing something in like MyCity is to enable you to deliver solutions that feed into all those things, which allow an adaptability to different models of working. So different people movements, different ways of approaching how you might be going in and out of town, schools, everything, everything to do with these things. And really, that's the focus. It's, it's how can we use the technology, the solution infrastructure to deliver a custom solution, which improves the quality of life. And that's their nice words. But the reality is we have those bits. We have the information already out there in, in, in many parts of the country. We have all sorts of solutions put up there. What our opportunity is, is joining them together, like I was, I was mentioning before. And the impact of that is you do get a more cohesive solution. It makes it easier for people to to come into town to to change. And if their modal shift of transport is changing, it allows them to adapt because the information works across different modes. Show benefit from day one and show commitment to deliver against the quality that we're known for. I just wanted to ask you quickly about research and development. Firstly, why is research and development on a continuous basis important? And secondly, if I was to give you a million pounds to kickstart a research project, where would you invest that money? So your first question, research and development, is crucial in that everything is evolving. So as I mentioned before, our, our solutions today are different to were last week. Um, I had a session yesterday on what we're going to focus our development on this year. In theory, that was decided last September, but it's actually different now because diff- there are different things going on out there uh, that we need to focus on. So we, we, we set aside research and development funding every year to develop our products, develop our solutions. I also, um, from the UK, have a significant funding into our, our um, Swart Code Development Centre, our regional development centre model. So we support all, all organisations within our group have to support that to drive that forward. So if we don't do that and we sit still, um, we're, we're, our solutions will very quickly be obsolete in the needs of the customer. Now, if you gave me a million pounds... A million pounds, you'd be surprised, doesn't actually get you very far <laughs> these days. Not as far as it, not as far as you like. But I think fundamentally, it would be in the in the new space, in the CITS space, um, in how we connect things together and how we we build on some of the principles we've talked around around, around my city um, to actually create infrastructure models that really build on the incredible amount of data that's out there at the moment. I still don't think anybody's cracked how you really use data in a way that is going to be fundamentally game-changing in terms of the transport world yet. There are bits, there are bits in towns and cities that are better than on highways. Highways data is still very similar really to what it was um, 10 years ago. If you look at the signs and signals, there might be more of them. Um, There might be some slightly better pictures, but is the data really used? So in simple terms, it's there where I'd I'd be investing and where where I'd be be thinking about. But I may change my mind in the next six months, we'll see. Okay, John, we're almost out of time, but I just want to wrap up on uh, one of the points Adrian said about working from home. Now, when I've changed jobs in the past, you have your farewell on, say, the Friday and you drive home from your old job and then you've got a new commute on the new one. What's it like for you to basically be still going into the same room, but to be doing a different job with different (laughs) people? And especially when you're leading the team, In times when I've run businesses before, my team I've worked with, I have spent a lot of time getting to know, bonding with, you know, going for a drink with so that you get to know the person as well as the role. How on earth do you do that in working from home? 
down COVID times? Yeah, it's a, it's a brilliant question. And, 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 and on the face of it, very difficult. So the two things I'd say are advantage. Uh, for, the, for When I asked myself this question in my last job of how I do the same with customers, with new customers, for example, it was really hard. And to start with, it didn't quite work. Over probably six months, we actually learned in the consultative period of my previous role that you could create brilliant relationships over teams from your customer um, bringing in their cat or their dog or talking to them or their child build a bit of a relationship in a different way than you would before. Rather than waiting six months for to meet somebody or say, I'm going to schedule to come down to Milton Keynes to meet the team on next Thursday, I can have a meeting with that, that team um, at two o'clock this afternoon. The bit that you still miss is the social side. So it's very difficult to build a social conversation in that side. But what I, well, I guess in a very simple model at the moment, my model is, is to talk to as many people as I possibly can without disrupting their day jobs because they need to, you know, they're, 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 otherwise I would probably annoy them. But when they need help to show that I'm there to do that, to commit from a, you know, my style of being from managing uh, teams and my managing director style is all about how can I lead? How can I help resolve problems? Um, how can I create a teams that address things in the right way? And you can do a lot of those things over teams. Long term, of course, I'd much rather go for a beer and, and talk about things and be able to have that other element and, and the day-to-day chat you get. But for now, we, we work with it, it is. Um, and so far, you get to know a lot of people and straight away, I'm seeing that people are starting to come to me with various things. Um, and, and as long as I'm open, and I work collaboratively with people and we do that and we solve issues together, we'll all move forward in the right way. John Pickworth is the new Managing Director of Swaco here in the UK and he's given his first interview to us here at Highways News. Um, thank you very much from Adrian and me for your time. Uh, best thank of luck. You. And I look forward to, I never thought I'd say this, standing in some exhibition hall somewhere on the Swaco stand, sharing a beer there and uh, looking at some of your solutions in three dimensions. But for now, John... Yeah, Fantastic. Thanks very much. You're most welcome. Thank you. Cheers. John Pickworth, MD of Swaco in the UK, our guest on Highways Voices this week. As we kick off our new series of podcasts with a fascinating chat, I'm sure you agree. Now, we're back next Wednesday when we talk, among other things, digital mapping with here. And we catch up with more of the news from the industry. So it just leaves it for me on behalf of Adrian as well to thank you for listening and remind you to check out highways-news.com for all. And I really do mean all the must-know news from the industry will be in your inbox with our midday briefing the next working lunchtime after you've listened to this we'll speak again soon highways voices join us again next week for more insights from those that matter in the industry 